Hey, Blinders, on this week's show, we have a first look at Marvel's The Eternals, Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man gets a review, and David Oyelowo joins the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 163 of Real Blend, a podcast that will unleash hell as soon as you give us the signal or something. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and on this week's show... I'm sorry, are you we being dismissive of at- Gladiator? No, no, that's a quote from Gladiator. I know, but I mean, you yeah. said it in like Gladiator. a pissy way. Well, I didn't say... No, I didn't. You're reading too much into it. And besides, it's a premium topic, so we'll get to that later on so that people can listen to it on Monday. Uh, on this week's show, we have a first look at Marvel's new film, Eternals, including a lot of other announcements from the Marvel Studios folk. Guy Ritchie has a new film called The Wrath of Man, or just Wrath of Man, with Jason Statham, and we'll be talking about that. And then David Oyelowo joins the show. He's directing a new film that he's also co-starring in called The Waterman. Um... So we'll get a chance to run his interview in a bit. But first, let me introduce the guys. Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jakey. I'm doing, I was just about to say I'm doing well, but you didn't ask. How are you, Sean? I'm wonderful. Thank you for joining the show, as always, uh, and partnering with myself and Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. Hi, Sean. Jacob. Gabriel. Good to see you guys. Did you guys see what the renamed show, what this renamed show is? Jake and his friends or something? Jake and friends. Jake, <laughs> Jake and, friends. and friends. Yep. Because yes. uh, I have to set up the Zoom now, which means I get to title the Zoom. So this show is now called <sighs> Jake and Friends. You guys have no idea how insufferable Jake is behind the scenes <laughs> about things that are related to Jake. There's <laughs> a lot of things. Dude, my segment is literally named. It's there. It's my Jake's takes. Takes. Uh, you've probably seen him also share things that he puts into the teleprompter to make his poor coworkers read. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. If they read ahead, it wouldn't be an issue. Very true. All right, if you're watching <laughs> us on YouTube to see how handsome Jake is, uh, hello, subscribe, turn on your notifications, do all the things you're supposed to do on a YouTube channel. If you are listening to us where you get your audio podcast needs, uh, in the description you will find information on how to subscribe to the Real Blend Premium 
episode. And in order to do that, you have to go to bit.ly backslash Premium. The gladiator joke makes a lot of sense uh, if you listen to premium, because you guys will know that we're sort of carving out titles that we have differentiating opinions on or films that we over the course of the years doing the show have, you know, sort of carved out like we'd like this or don't like that. And we're going to revisit them for the purpose of the show. And the guys thought that the first one we should do is Gladiator, a movie that I don't necessarily enjoy or haven't up until this point. And so I rewatched it and we're going to discuss it on the premium episode, which drops on Monday. So subscribe to premium. You guys would like it. It's extra real blend time. Uh, The weekly poll. Kev, give a vote. Well, I was just going to say for our non-premium listeners, I just want to mention that uh, there's a whole bit in our premium episode where Sean O'Connell admits to recording a copy of Gladiator via TNT with commercial breaks. And that was, was the it version TNT of the movie. Was it the sci-fi channel? Sci-fi. Sci-fi. It was sci-fi it was the sci-fi channel. Yeah. And he was going to watch the Which movie with commercial breaks and fast forward. <laughs> and that and was going to be that, his experience. Not just that, the on-screen Chirons where a character like walks onto the onto the right. screen and like points at a show that's coming on next. Yeah. The Meg. Yeah. It's like Jason Statham comes out and dances. Yeah. Does, he, does he Sean... react to the tigers in Gladiator? Like, yeah. I don't know. This is how Sean was going to watch And then like Gladiator. shrugs and points yeah. at like the big seven o'clock, eight o'clock central. Yep. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty funny. That was a good laugh. All right, yeah. the weekly poll. We no, are transitioning into a new month. Uh, this is May. And so we asked the Real Blend users... Which May movie are you most excited to see? I left one off uh, by accident and got called out for it in the comments. Kevin McCarthy. All the ones to leave off. Yeah, right? I know. And you know what it is? I looked at Box Office Mojo, and so it looked at the titles that were coming to theaters, so I wasn't paying attention. Mm. But now it's coming to theaters. Left off Army. But that's why we have... This is... I have this conversation with people in the comments all the time. They say, you forgot this one. And I say, no, 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 no. There was a fourth option. It was called something else. Comment below. Correct. You found Maybe the comments. intentionally. There you go. This one's probably too easy, um, but Kev, the options were Spiral, Quiet Place 2, Cruella, or something else. I mean, considering our listeners, I'm going to go with Quiet Place Part 2. Now, am I far off? 72% said Quiet Place Part 2. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's um, done. Had, had Army of the Dead been on there, I still think Quiet Place would have beaten it. You, you think, think so? so? I do. No, I think the, I think the Zack Snyder army would have taken over and um, dominated I it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very excited about Army of the Dead. I just think Quiet Place Part 2, I don't know. Because yeah, but I, I, I think you're focused too much on, on the movies themselves. I'm focused on the fact that, like, the Zack Snyder online army would have found our poll and would have descended upon it. And This happens. Yeah. And we can use this they space real fast to plug the fact that we will be having a, 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 a sit-down interview with John Krasinski coming up on our show that we recorded prior to the pandemic for the original release date. And Gabe said he re-listened to it recently, and it's, it doesn't seem dated. So it's going to be a brand new, fresh interview. So we are going to have Krasinski on our show, which is cool. I also think, have we discussed this on the show? Like, I think that's the perfect movie to welcome people back to theaters. You know, for people who haven't gone back yet or are sort of trepidations about it. Because the gimmick of Quiet Place and the way that people participated on the first one and and did their best to be quiet in the theaters and it became part of your movie going experience, like there's still a huge element of that in the second movie. And I think that that's a perfect type of film across like Godzilla Kong and Mortal Kombat. They're fun movies, but they're not the ones that are going to get like the four quadrants to return. See, I think Fast is going to be that movie. You think so? I, I so really too. do, and I, and I I don't I don't mean that from you know I know 
Gabe doesn't love the fast franchise, but like, uh, so re- correct me if I'm wrong. Quiet comes out this month, May, right? And then May, Memorial Day weekend. I think the twenty eighth, the twenty ninth. Fast is June. And I just, June. I just feel like based on where we are right now, I think we're going to be in a better spot in June. Okay. I think just from a, a, a perspective of people going to the movies. I mean, Quiet Place, I'm sure will do well, but I think Fast is going to be like that big one. But I could be wrong. I, I just feel like that's a good solid pg-13 action film yeah the quiet place films are you know they're good they're pretty brutal and dark and i don't i just, i actually wonder how the concept of that movie will affect people wanting to see it yeah that's a little but bit I, true but i think that it would be different if it were the first one and like people had to be sold on the concept i think right now mm. people are sold on the fact that they loved the first one and at this sure. point kind of just want to see where the story goes i think yeah. it would be a different conversation if it were a quiet Place Part One, but the fact that it's Part Two, I think it's the concept's already sold. Yeah, and we've seen it, and we'll get into it. Obviously, Krasinski, we had a oh great God, conversation about. Getting, we've seen it. Yeah, I want to see we it shot, again. He shot it on I do film. Want to see it again too. Yeah, and and there's a. I'll give you a little tease. There's a really great story he tells about about the Warner in the film, which where Emily Blunt is driving, yes. which is insane, and that's in the yeah. trailer. If you haven't seen it, so just yeah. tease ahead for that coming in a couple weeks. So. All right, we will talk more Quiet Place as we get closer to the release date. But first, we have uh, a film called The Waterman, which is coming to theaters this week. And its director, David Ayelowo, who you know from Selma and several other films, um, he is stepping into the role of director. He did a short film prior to doing this. This is his first feature film. He tells a really great story about how he got involved in this picture, which several people are describing as spielbergian and i'll explain why uh in the this week in movie segment so without further ado david ayello joining the real blend podcast i really appreciate you taking the time this was a fantastic movie that i thoroughly enjoyed man it's uh you and i are about the same age i'm the father of two boys and it just transported right. me back to you know those types of adventures that me as a storytelling junkie kid just absorbed left and right so thank you so much for it Oh, well, thank thank you for recognizing that. And it's funny, isn't it? We loved those films growing up for some bizarre reason. They're thinner on the ground. And, and to share them with our family is to have to go back to those films that we watched when we were younger. Very true. You know, uh, first-time filmmakers, uh, b- people taking a big swing at feature films, they tend to go with something a little bit smaller, a little bit something more simple so they can learn on the job. Uh, you're going after the quest for immortality, uh, mythologies that span decades. Uh, I mean, I have to admire you swinging for the fences right out of the gate. <laughs> oh man! Well, it wasn't by design. I'll tell you that. I wasn't the, originally going to be directing it. You know, I, I wanted to see a film like this in the world. I certainly wanted to have someone who looks like me and a kid who looked like I did when I was younger represented in the film. But it was another director who was going to do it. He left the project when we had Lonnie, we had a start date, we had the financing. And uh, it was actually our writer, Emma Nadell, who turned to me and said, I think you're the one to direct this. And the truth of the matter is when you have all of those elements, you go, you know, movies are so tough to put together and we couldn't allow it to fall apart. And so I I took two weeks to think about it and uh, and then I jumped in, but I have to say, considering how much of a fan of Spielberg's I am, the fact that, you know, I've never heard this phrase Spielbergian before. And it, the fact that it keeps on coming up in relation to this film, I, 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 I kind of feel a little, uh, I feel a bit weirded out by it, but I'm going to take it because uh, that's exa- those are exactly the kind of films I loved growing up. 
There are far worse things you could be called. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been called them, so I know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, I am curious, though. Um, well, that, that's a fascinating story that you had no intention of directing it and that you just stepped in when a gap opened up. But, you know, prior to that, the laundry list of directors that you've been able to observe uh, is, you know, ridiculous. And so... I was curious on those sets, were you a bit of a sponge? Did you pay attention to things they were doing? Like in the back of your mind, did you think you would ever get to this point where you were going to direct? Well, I think that's one of the reasons I could even dare go near such an ambitious film. I had literally been under the directorial gaze of Steven Spielberg, uh, mm -hmm. admittedly in a very different kind of film. We did Lincoln together, but working with Ava DuVernay and Chris McQuarrie and Will Gluck and Anthony Mengele and Chris Nolan, you know, those are experiences you simply come away from changed if you are someone who has even a secret ambition of directing one day. Um, you know, and I have been actually very intentional in being on those sets and observing and asking questions and being curious. And so absolutely a huge part of what I was able to bring to the Waterman was gleaned from those directors, but also talking to some of those directors as I was going into directing this, you know, um, some of them being actors who've also directed films that they're in. I spoke to Nate Parker, who famously did Birth of a Nation, or Joel Edgerton, who did Boy Erased and The Gift. I spoke to Mel Gibson, who did it, I think, better than anyone with Braveheart. And um, they all had, you know, gems uh, in terms of advice to take me into uh, my own experience. Wow, that's outstanding to have those resources available to you and yeah. to pick their brains. Yeah. Um, before I move off of this, uh, tell me about day one. What would, did you pick something easy to shoot for day one, knowing that it was going to be uh, this is a significant milestone for you? Well, you know what? I wish I wish it was that simple when you have a film schedule. The, the reality is we only had Rosario Dawson for about 12 days before she had to move on to another project. So we had to shoot out all the stuff in the house first. And the stuff in the house is fairly emotional. It's fairly, you know, it's sort of the heart of the movie. It's where the stakes in the movie are very much set in terms of um, uh, Lonnie's character, Gunner, realizing his mother is ill, us getting a sense of, of, of the depth of what's happening with the family. So, you know, we, we hit the ground running, um, uh, shooting some quite emotional uh, stuff, but thankfully, I mean, Rosario Dawson, what a transcendent talent, you know, to have uh, at, at your disposal. And um, yeah, I, I also had my wife there to keep an eye on me because the thing I was really nervous about was the fact that I was also in the film. Now I'm used to acting in films and being very focused on my character, but the sheer amount of things you have to have in your mind when you're also directing, I was worried my performance would suffer. So I had her there as a kind of BS monitor uh, for me. And uh, she would give me a thumbs up or sideways or a... <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to make sure I was in the zone. Um, so yeah, those those things all helped. The toughest critic is yeah, right yeah, there. That's what you want. I'll take that on the set before it's out in the world. I can't do anything about what people say once the film is done. My ego will be okay if I get that criticism on the deck. I want you to have some time to gush about uh, your incredible young lead uh, and just how incredible uh, Lonnie is. So when you were going through the process, what made him uh, the right actor for Gunner? 
Well, it's very, very difficult to find child actors who have a combination of emotional intelligence, but also they haven't been tainted by the business if they have been acting for a while, because they can sort of, you know, if they're parents are very heavy handed and, and make them very rehearsed or um, they have a sense of themselves. So they're undirectable, you know, whatever it is, it's fraught with challenges, but, but Lonnie is special. I really, really mean that. I mean, he is a needle in a haystack to have a kid who can both be a kid whilst also having the technical proficiency of a professional actor, whilst having both the emotional intelligence of a very bright kid, but the vulnerability of an 11-year-old, of an, an actual 11-year-old. It, it's such a tough thing to find. And, and I found it not only in Lonnie, but also Amaya Miller, who mm. is his friend who goes on this adventure with him. Just a complete gift. Without those two roles working, the film is dead. David, knowing you were taking on directing, did you get any rehearsal time at all with, with the other actors? I built that in. I built that in. It's very hard to find on an independent film because, you know, you're jamming, you're trying to save money, you're, you, you, you have very limited time. But I knew just how prioritous it was in order for this to work. And also because as a first time director, I didn't want to leave anything to chance in terms of figuring stuff as important as the emotional terrain of the film on the day when I have everything else coming at me. So yeah, we had a week or two of rehearsals while we were in prep and that was invaluable. I'm super curious about this now too, as an actor, you know, who's very familiar with the process. Do you give your other actors multiple takes? Uh, it, like when do you know that you got it and you're able to move on? Cause you've juggled both sides of that now. Yeah, it's a great question. And this is where Joel Edgerton really came in handy with his advice. He said to me, don't make the mistake of being the one who says action and cut because you're already muddying things by being an actor and a director. But if you're in a scene with someone and you're saying action and then you're acting opposite and you're saying cut, it's just too weird. So you have your first AD be the one to do that. The other thing is never finish a scene and then instantaneously start giving the other person direction because ideally in a scene you're interacting as you're trying to evoke human experience as much as possible. So you're not observing the person, you are engaging with the person. So the, the, his advice was leave the scene, go and look at the monitor, even if you're pretending to look at the monitor, you are effectively <laughs> taking one hat off, putting another hat on and coming back. And that's the way to sort of deal with the church and state of being both an actor and a director and kind of keeping the, the clean lines with your other actors. It was so important to, to, to do that, to not muddy the waters too much. I would, that's, I would imagine. That's fantastic. Um, one of the elements that really gets conveyed uh, is just the love of storytelling and the way that um, uh, Gunnar is an avid reader. I'm curious if that's an aspect that you uh, that you had growing up. Were you an avid book reader? And, and uh, how did you consume stories growing up? Yeah, I was an avid consumer of stories. I, I My mom always called me a TV addict. I watched films you know, I have VHS tapes that have been so worn down uh, that, that from from overwatching, um, and I had a very very vivid imagination, which you know went on to serve me very well as both an actor and and a writer and as a as a as a director also. But you're absolutely right. There is 
built into Emma's script is this love of not only storytelling, but imagination and myth and fairy tale and, and, and nursery rhymes and all of those things that fascinate us when we're younger. The fact that reality and fantasy can coexist so closely, you perceive something is so real, but through adult eyes, it's a completely different thing. That's something quite unique to the young eyes. And I love these stories when they don't patronize the young gaze. Um, right. where they meet kids where they're at and they don't talk down to them. And there's still something there for the grown-ups as well when they watch the film. So, you know, I, I have to credit Emma with, with packing this script with all of those elements. Uh, for sure. But in your direction, I think you went out of your way to maybe maintain a PG rating. There are elements where you could have gone a little bit harder if you wanted to. And I was curious if it was just your intention to make sure that it was material that could be viewed by the whole family. Well, an ambition of mine is to do something which I call live action Pixar. You know, I love that the entire family can watch up The Incredibles, Soul now, which I think is a brilliant film. And these have incredibly deep themes. I mean, the existential thinking that goes into Soul, the fact that in Up, this older man has just lost his wife and befriends this younger boy and they go on this adventure. These are all things that if you put them in a live action film, the chances are those studios wouldn't have made those movies. But that's what Amblin used to do back in the day. And I think there's a real business opportunity being missed by not um, having those elements in films that the whole family can watch. So for me, it's important not to go so edgy that it precludes younger viewers um, um, and, and, and but then older people think oh well it's a kids movie so it's not for me either it's a really tough needle to thread but I think it's possible and no one does it better than Pixar yeah very true I'm so glad you brought up animation because um, it brings me to my next point which I wanted to bring up is when you get to the idea of sharing the myth of the Waterman, you transition into this gorgeous animated sequence and I would love to know your thought process behind like not just doing a live action flashback or you know, or a simple narration that would, you know, even though you have the, the most amazing Alfred Molina, you know, contributing to the to the sequence, uh, what made you decide to go animated and how did that come about? Well, this was an example of necessity being the mother of invention. I mean, as written, it was to be a live action depiction of what happened with the Waterman a hundred years ago. Now that's a very expensive sequence, you know, a <laughs> dam breaking, you know, it's, it's the early 1900s, late 1800s. Um, and so, you know, the animation came out of the fact that Gunnar was already a kid who was sort of obsessed with graphic novels and doing his own graphic novel. And, you know, in talking to some other directors, one of the things I really got by way of advice was stay in your protagonist's POV. And in doing that, why not have him essentially visualize this story as he would, as if he were telling the story, even though Alfred Molina is the one giving him the imagery. And so that's how we ended up with the, uh, with the animation, a great company out of Oregon called Bent uh, did all the animation and my goodness, it was so much better than I could have even imagined. Did you see um, A Monster Calls? Yes, uh, I love that film. It reminded me very much of when it went to that sort of watercolor paintings, you know, that they did to convey the mythology of it. I, I, I love when fantasy sort of blends into reality that way. Uh, and I thought it worked very well in your film. Um, one of the things I think works really well, too, is your choice of score. Uh, Peter Barrett's um, work there, too. It has that sort of um, symphonic element to it. it. It keeps the tone somewhat playful. Can you talk a little bit about how you collaborated with him to get the right score for it? 
Well, that is an, a great story in and of itself. This is Peter's very first English speaking film. I was doing a show in, um, I was doing at Les Mis uh, uh, for the BBC in, in Brussels. And I, I, I went to go and do a narration for Spot the Dog, you know, just this children's book. And Peter was the engineer. And he said, oh, by the way, I, I know you make movies. I'm a composer. I was like, you're the spot the dog guy. This, well, don't talk to me about you, but you're a composer. I needed a restaurant recommendation. So I gave him my email. He gave me this restaurant recommendation and then kept on bugging me about the fact that he was a composer. I ended up directing the film and I was just like, let me send him the script, send him the script. He sent me eight complete pieces of score done with an orchestra that he put together himself. I cut it into the film as we were editing it and it just cut like butter. And that's how Peter came to be the composer on this. And he just completely got the tone and feel of what I was after. It was just a, just a, a, a magical, happy accident. In, in movies like this, the score can make or break it, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was amazing that that worked out the way. Um, OK, well, so knowing that you came into it the way that you did, uh, I was curious if this is just an itch that you felt like you had to scratch or now that you've done it, is this uh, the next phase of your career? Well, it's 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 going to be a, a chapter I want to keep on visiting for sure. Um, you know, the thing I, I really recognize having now directed a film is that you better be passionate about the film you're going to be directing because you are going to spend a lot of time with it. Um, yeah. And and, you know, I'm really blessed to have a lovely career as an actor. That is something I want to keep doing and I love doing and I love being able to switch to different kinds of stories. But, you know, when the right film, the right script, the right circumstances come along, I definitely want to uh, direct again. It's just about waiting for the right one to come along. Well, as a filmmaker podcast, David, we're thrilled to follow your career. I hope to see many more, many more films from you uh, down the pipeline. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. This was fun. And I love your site as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for David Oyelowo for joining the show. Check out The Waterman in theaters. I'll give you a full review in the This Week in Movies segment of the show. I want to get to talking points to a video that uh, traditionally would drop the day after we recorded. So I'm really glad yeah. that we are recording today. Just, just Okay, but here's a real question. Tomorrow's May yeah. the 4th, Star Wars Day. You yeah. know that they're going to just drop like some massive freaking Star Wars news and a single tear is going to roll down my cheek. We're Will they though? That. I don't know. That's the thing, too. Like, I feel like they don't always drop great stuff. It's going to be like, here's how to make a Baby Yoda drink with cucumbers. <laughs> well, they're making that, that that Bad Batch show comes out tomorrow. It's yeah. like their big May the 4th day. And you day. saw that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've only seen the first episode, but I mean, like, but the, I think the, because it's the first episode is like 70 minutes. And then there's like a they, short movie. Basically. Yeah, essentially. Yes. Um, But but yeah, nice. we can get into that. But but I wonder what they're going to. Yeah, well, I don't know what they would deliver tomorrow from a Star Wars perspective. I mean, is there anything that is there anything that we're awaiting from uh, an announcement perspective? I mean, perspective? they could do like a first look at either Andor or they can Book give you a first shot of of you and McGregor. Book of Boba Fett. It, is there a Mando season Boba three? Fett. Are they are they shooting not till, that? Not till next year, uh, though, right? Have they even started hmm. filming yet? I don't know. That's a good question. They they've been shooting Andor for a ton, so if they release footage of anything, it could be that. I did but hear anyway. that. Every Star Wars fan tomorrow is going to receive a cheese pizza in the mail, and Favreau is going to deliver it. That's personally. really sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. very nice. I'm really looking forward to it. I asked for extra cheese because I, I think he's great. 
Marvel really instead decided on a random Monday to drop uh, some huge information about their Phase 4 slate, um, including the first look at the Eternals, Chloe Zhao's, Shao, Chloe Shao's follow-up to her uh, Best Picture, Best Director winning. Zhao. Zhao? Zhao? Zhao. Zhao. Oh my Chloe. god. It's like... No, no, no. Honestly, it, 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 we're, we are. It's a, it's a name that we we, we yeah. want to get right because she's yeah. awesome. Zhao, Zhao. yeah. Uh, first look at the Eternals. Uh, we have a title confirmation for Captain Marvel, a two, which is now called the Marvels, and Black Panther is now going to be called Wakanda Forever or Black. Wait, Panther is that Forever. what the Marvels was? Captain Marvel two? Yeah. That is Captain oh, Marvel. Oh, I honestly too. didn't. I honestly <laughs> thought it was some Incredibles thing they were doing. I, 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 that's how. Like, I, I honestly did not get that. I watched the whole wow. video. I did not get that. That was Captain Marvel too. Well, I can explain from, from why the video. In a hot minute. What of Please. the reveal, if anything, uh, got you guys most excited, Kev? What, what moved your needle watching that? Watching that teaser. I mean, the movie out of that entire list that I'm excited about is is, is Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange. Um, oh, and and nice. while we didn't really get anything in there except for a title card, which we've already seen the logo for. Um, but out of all of the, I mean, I love Ant Man too. I don't know. So I, I mean, I'm I'm excited about kind of the the more uh, side not side characters, but not like the you know you have the Caps and the Iron Mans and the Thors, and then you have the Ant Mans and the Doctor Stranges. Like they're not B level, but they're like B plus level characters in terms sure. of like the the whole universe. But I love Doctor Strange and Ant Man, so I'm like looking forward to seeing what they do with those. Is Peyton Reed doing Ant Man three? He is, yes. Yeah, so I'm all in on that. I didn't love two. I love one, so I'm hoping they kind of bring it back. I like the name of three. Was it Quantumania? Quantumania, yes. That was cool. Correct. I like that. I like the name of it. Um, I also rewatched Endgame recently, and I really love how they brought. I love how Paul Rudd, that whole Paul Rudd storyline from two into into Endgame. I'm very that whole all, that whole arc of Ant Man's really cool. But I think at the end of the day, the Shang Chi footage is probably what kind of blew my mind the most, just from an action perspective. So I got totally fooled by this trailer because they did Black Widow. They were talking about the movies that are coming this year, and they did Black Widow with a pretty lengthy look, bunch of new yeah. scenes. Then they went into Eternals, and it was the first footage from it. Um, and then they went to Shang-Chi and they showed footage of it. And then I was like, oh, fuck, Spider-Man's next. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home. I was like, they're going to show Toby and Andrew and Tom together. Like, just a quick shot of the three of them together. And then instead, it just became the litany of title cards. They would it. never do that in a little promo video. That, that's too big of a drop. It would, yeah, it, right? wouldn't be, it wouldn't have been in the middle of the, like, the, yeah. that, that's like the last shot of something. In mean, the same way that Spider-Man yeah. was the last shot of the Civil War trailer. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah. them, like, yeah, you don't, you don't squeeze that shot into the middle of something. Well, you're if, speaking if it, very rationally right now. I was not rational when I was watching this clip. If Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are, in fact, in Spider-Man 3... Yes. Do we learn it in the movie or the trailer for it? Trailer. Trailer. I think we learned it in the trailer. Because well. I think if I think if they were the kind of company that hid things, we wouldn't have known the Hulk was in Ragnarok. Yeah. But the marketing team is the one who's deciding what's in the trailer. Yeah. And they're not gonna I, not tell you that we have three Spider Men in this. Because it's a box office draw. I wish they held that Hulk reveal. That Hulk reveal would have been. Oh, could you imagine having like experienced that in um but Sean, Sean, I don't know about you, but I I know, speaking on behalf of my needle, that it was greatly impacted by that big glowing four. Oh, I know. Yes. So, is that an A or a four? The four. It's a four. Is the is it the Fantastic Four? Yeah, logo? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. See, Fantastic Four. I saw a tweet and it kind of made me double think it because it does look like the Avengers A a little bit. 
um, kind of, if you look Hello. at it. And I thought, I thought, I thought maybe they were implying it was Fantastic Four, but not giving it to us officially. No, no, no. Because th- when they did the reveal for their slate a little while ago um, at the Disney Investors Day. They talked about Fantastic Four and they showed that logo. That so. same logo. Okay. The Avengers logo is the Avengers logo in universe. I wonder to to this point though, what if the Fantastic Four in universe become like the new Avengers? Well, that's Ooh. interesting because there's no Avengers film right. like on this slate at all. Like I thought that was one of the things I wrote a piece today about like four things that are missing from this reveal. And and I didn't want to be like oh, this is all cool. You dated everything through 2023, but here's where there's the rest of the stuff. Because Mahershala Ali got introduced as Blade back in 2019. On where stage. was the Blade footage? Where where, where, where was well, the... Have they even started filming yet? It's not even dated. They don't even have it on the calendar yeah. through 2020. But also, like, that might not be all Nothing. of Phase 4. There might be more to Phase 4 than that. Maybe, but, like, they've already pre-announced their release dates, and there are only two dates. This is super nerdy. There's only oh, two dates left I... in 2023. I know what I loved. Yes. Wakanda Forever title. Yeah, that you was like great. That? I love that too. Great title for Black Panther 2. I don't know what they're going to do about that. I have no idea how they're going to address that. Do they just, do they kind of get a pass? Do they kind of get a pass because we all know what happened? And however they work it into the story, we'll, we'll I, just... I just Coogler. That's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Are they going to exp- are, are they going to explain T'Challa being killed like a, like a, sto- a story like or him going away like do you think it'll be more like like Paul Walker's character in Fast and Furious where he just goes away and we and we don't know what happened to him or like I don't know how they're I don't know how they have do that it. whole um, afterlife area ethereal mm-hmm. plane yes. in Wakanda that they could that they could use for something oh. Good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Because he goes to visit his father mm-hmm. when he's in the training, um, which is actually one of my favorite scenes in the first Black Panther film. Um, you're right. They're probably going to play. With, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, Chadwick's character is going to have to be explained somehow. I mean, like, I don't know. I just don't know how. The, okay. Are they going? Like, Why they're going to. But they, they know the him? audience. They can't recast oh, him. Why can't, can't you? I don't think you can. You can't recast him. I don't think that, you can. I think, or no, no, no. What, I think what that character means to people is bigger than Chadwick Boseman. And but I think, think Chadwick Boseman but would I think, agree with that. But Black Panther mean, already is a like revolving door character. Right. Sure. Like, Someone just Black takes Panther him over him. So right. I, I don't know why they would go the route of not dis- necessarily being disrespectful, but like why even try to cover up Chadwick Boseman in within the universe and just just revolve that door. Well, I think the like theoretically, Shuri would become. Like his sister would become the new Black Panther. There will right. be a Black Panther. Yeah, it'd just be somebody different. Yeah, yeah but I mean, you, but necessarily you don't have to technically recast it then, because if you think about it from that perspective, what we're explaining, like his father was Black Panther, right, at one point, and then yeah. Chadwick became, I mean, in the, in this in the universe. So yeah, a new Black Panther taking over doesn't necessarily mean he's recast. It's just okay, another but then, person. But then, like we have multiple, and I understand obviously, circumstances are different. Mm-hmm. But we have multiple actors playing Bruce Wayne. We never say. Oh, why don't you just give the character of Batman to a different character? But I think because there's not multiple Marvel, actors in the same universe. Yeah, I, I think that would be wrong for Marvel to do. I know that that kind of happened with the Hulk. Obviously, that's a little different being sure. at the, sort of the Terrence Tower. Different circumstances. Yeah, but that's yeah. all. That's all but very that's early the behind the yeah. scenes. Drama, I think basically. once you go, yeah. once you're twenty something films in, it's like you know, just just your yeah. creative. You have a bunch of creative writers. Figure out a way yeah. to write yeah. around. And like there, I said, like I, I, yeah. I did love the idea that that I saw someone wrote that like. Black Panther 2 should take place during the blip. 
which would, we like that. if anything, yeah. buy them some time because that could explain why he's not there. It, I mean, it doesn't get you out of try explaining. I don't something. think that'll happen though. I think that for one, because well, no, you got to move the story forward. forward. That's, and that's basically Coogler, moving back. I don't know that Coogler's signed on for a Black Panther three. I doubt that's even a thing at this point. But like. I imagine that creative team and kind of where they were is going to want to handle that. So yeah. I, I see them. I think it's a very sentimental thing for everybody involved and they're going sure. to want to. And from I what I've heard of their like, quotes, they're yeah. really approaching it as just trying to respect him and sure. And give you, sort of a, a great place for that to resolve. Sure. I don't know if they confirmed this, but they're, they did they say or not say if Chadwick is going to be done through CG like um, they said I, he I've, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard he, he will not. not. Right, they confirmed good. he will not. Yeah. The only reason I was asking is because like we've seen a lot of Marvel playing with CG in terms of like you just de-aging yeah. and etc. Like you know you look at the opening or Civil War right? Is that the one where they young they do the younger uh, Downey? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which so I was looks flawless. If, but I'm going to Gabe's point of like if they play if they play around in that world where like the mm-hmm. afterlife world if I'm referring to it correctly, um, mm-hmm. you could theoretically have a CG version of the character there. But I'm actually completely just, happy with yeah. them not doing it. That would I don't just want feel them icky to, do that. to me. Yeah, like yeah, I said, I. I I feel uncomfortable even thinking about that scene. Yeah, like I said, I'm not even, for me personally, I'm not even interested trying to figure out what the best way to do it because I I don't think I'm going to have a good of idea as Ryan Coogler. So I'm just going to trust trust Coogler. I want to talk, I know we jumped right to the speculation and everything that's coming, but I want to talk about the front half of that clip. I like the Marvel events at the movies was super chilling. Like I got real emotion. And Stan Lee's voiceover. Yeah. How about prepare a guy? For that on a Monday morning, I, you know, I, was I actually not immediately ready for thought of you, Sean. I immediately, like the second he started speaking, I thought to myself, "This is going to destroy Sean." Oh my god! And, and it, the word, the words he was using, like when he mm, talked about my your brother, he's Chadwick, your brother. Yeah, Chadwick yeah. and Michael, yeah. he's your brother. And then the sister yeah. was for, um, was it? Uh, who are the two actors that he said for the sis- for sister? Um, was it? Oh, it was. Um, uh, was it Gamora and uh, and, and the blue girl from now. Guardians? Oh, yeah. Nebula? Oh, was Karen Gillan, Nebula. Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Well, that whole montage was like, and then transitioning right into footage that I guarantee Joe Russo shot of the audience reaction to uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. I was wondering what theater that was. Like, it, it, it didn't look like the one we've seen circulating throughout the uh, web no. sometimes, where people like, where it's like a gigantic crowd. This looked like a more of an intimate screening. It looked like but there were like I a couple inter- guys' heads. When I talked to Feige uh, for WandaVision, and I meant asked him if he ever watched those audience reaction videos, and he goes, "I'm pretty sure it's Joe Russo who shot, who shot some of those videos." <laughs> so so because... I guess the Russo, I guess you get a pass for recording inside of a movie theater if you're the one that directed the movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. if it's your and he's head. literally filming the scene, like yeah. the the actual big scene, but it was opening yeah. night, so. But the fact that yeah. they used it in an official marketing yeah, material made cool. me think that it's Russo's, and, sure. and then you know they got a, it had a, to be a, right because it would yeah, be like otherwise some you don't fans get like footage. just I mean yeah and well and also too I don't I don't know I don't want to get into like like legal banter but in terms of like news we have to get permission yeah. to use people's yeah. we can't just rip people's videos off the internet oh, yeah. and yeah, like yeah. we have to reach yeah. out to them and get verbal so short of them probably paying someone out the ass it's probably the Russo's video because they could just be like hey can we use this <laughs> Kevin gave them a. a Kevin Feige gave them a, a worn hat. He goes, here, I wore this on the press tour of Black Widow. I would take that. Sean would shoot like a whole that. film for them if, <laughs> for a worn hat. I'd give him all the photos of my children growing up. Here, just You would give them, them your please. children? I would give them temporarily. Temporarily. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd Sean them out, does so. call Kevin Feige dad in the text chain. I, so, <laughs> Daddy. 
Yes. Uh, all right. So weird. Marvel looks like they got a lot of exciting things coming for the next uh, three years at the very least with a lot of other projects that haven't been announced, including uh, Blade, like I mentioned. Deadpool 3 is also Deadpool 3 is supposed to be transitioning over to Disney. No mention of that. So these are all things that are coming down the pipeline. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, let's switch to Tom Hanks. His second film in a row after Greyhound is not going to theaters and is instead happy, uh, heading to Apple TV+. It was a film previously called Bios, and it's set in the future, and it's about a man and his dog, from oh, what I understand. Oh, dude, but you know what it's about, though? I thought We talked about this at the at our uh, I know we episode mentioned 100. It. Um, the plot is just built to crush me. It okay. is a guy in the future, like post-apocalyptic. It's him and his dog. They're by themselves. Yeah. He knows he's dying, like he is oh. about to die. So he's building a robot to take care of his dog after he's gone. Oh. Like th- that story with Tom yeah. Hanks in it, like I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Like that's yeah. like that story's going to crush my soul. Well, now it's called Finch. Yeah, um, yeah not the best title. Which is a great world. emo band, by the um, way. Unless, unless <laughs> that's the dog's name, in which case I'm cool. Well, I'm going to guess it's the robot's name. Oh, maybe true. Maybe, yeah, that might be true. But let me ask a question to you guys, because um, this is two films back to back for Tom Hanks. Is Tom Hanks not bankable anymore? Like, is he no. a streaming star now? I don't think I, I think the and if you want me to be honest, I think the age of the movie star is over. Right. It has been for for years. I, I genuinely believe there's a couple people you can name that still go. I think Denzel Washington, DiCaprio. I think people go for Sandra Bullock. Um, I, I do. I don't think people are going to the movies anymore for the actor. And and and, it, and I used to work at a box office when I was 17. So people would walk up. I remember, and anytime a Denzel Washington movie would come out, someone would say, I want a ticket to the new Denzel movie. They wouldn't yeah. even say the name of the film. Yeah. Um, and so like, I, I feel like there are some that, like Cruise isn't opening stuff outside of Mission Impossibles. Yeah, right. Did uh, they come for you know, Cruise or do they come for the new Mission Impossible? They're coming for the new Mission. And like, you know, if, if, look at like Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, when they do side projects that are outside yeah. of Marvel, they're, they're Passengers. Not, right, Passengers. And that had, J, Jennifer, that had Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt. Two yeah. of the most bankable stars on the planet. And I think that's the one thing I'm, I'm interested from an industry perspective is where we're going because we all know that the movies that are making money are the box office franchises, the the MCU films, the superhero movies, the prequels, the sequels, the movies based on books, um, popular books, obviously. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would love to hear from you guys on this. I, I, I genuinely would. I don't think there are many bankable. I don't think Tom Hanks well, is selling look, tickets on okay, Tom but, Hanks Okay, but anymore. let me let me sort of flip that. Unfortunately. Maybe Tom Hanks isn't a big screen theatrical draw. Definitely not as much as he used to be in the 90s. But I, I think he's potentially a big streaming draw. 
I think did Greyhound he, do well? How many people actually have Apple TV? I think Apple well, TV is the, on the lesser end of, you know. But I but that's think, the assumption is that if something comes out on Apple TV, if you're a fan of that yeah. person, you will go out and like, for example, with HBO Max, for example, I know I know Apple TV is a little different story because you have to get the actual box. Where yeah, you can watch it's, a little bit, it's a little bit hard. It's an extra step. Well, technically, I don't know what the actual number is, but Apple, since they introduced Apple TV Plus, has still been extending their like you buy an iPhone and you get Apple TV Plus. So For a year. That's yeah. like bit like there's millions of people mm. that have iPhones that potentially don't even know they have Apple TV Plus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, so it yeah. could be a pretty substantial and number. And also the of be- I think the best thing that's happened to them is Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso yeah, for probably. sure. Yeah, uh, probably. Which, which didn't which didn't become successful for them until like almost 6 months after it came out. Sure. Like in a weird way like people yeah. didn't start talking about it. But like yeah, I, I it, it's so interesting because is Ted Lasso is not doing well because of Sudeikis. It's doing well because it's it got word of mouth. Like people weren't tuning in and going, "Oh, I want to watch the new Jason Sudeikis show." Right. You know, I love that guy from Horrible Bosses. You know, they're sure. they're they're watching it. Be- I'm not saying people Sudeikis doesn't have fans, no, but no, I don't I think I the, the the star is what's. Br- I don't know. It's an interesting. Well, thing take a we're look seeing. at take a look at the landscape right now. I mean, Eddie Murphy is a massive star, and Coming to America went to Amazon Prime. Right. Um, did very well. Kate Winslet. You know, theoretically, is of our generation a massive star, and she's leading an HBO Max uh, yeah. uh, television True. show right now. Um, you know, if Cruise branches off and does American Made, nobody goes to see it. You know, but then you and have that's a good but, but, okay. But on the flip side, if American Made opens on Netflix, becomes a Friday movie, and then it's the first movie that pops up on Netflix when people are on a Friday night trying to look, they're gonna say they're gonna say exactly what they used to say to to you, Kevin, which is, "Oh, look, new Tom Cruise movie," and they're gonna press play. Right. I, also, I think a lot of these movie stars, if they go over to streaming, mm. people will immediately like like dude, let's be honest. When it, extraction, no one was like, Oh, I want to see the movie because of this plot or the Rousseau's wrote it. They said, Hemsworth. Oh, look, it's the new Hemsworth movie and it's on Netflix. Yeah. I think yep. the age of the movie star in a weird way hasn't necessarily died as much as it's just gone over to streaming. It matters you know, less that? on the big screen and matters more on streaming. But do you also think there's too much content? Like, oh, do you, yeah. I, I, I think to a point where we're oversaturated to a point where there's a new movie star every day. Like Bridgerton, for example, had no names, became one of the biggest shows on the planet. Reggae Jean Page became one of the biggest stars on the planet for that time period. Hosted SNL. Yeah. Um, and he was famous, very famous and bankable from that show. And I, I just I just wonder because there's so much content coming out every single week. There's a new person to like every single week. I mean, the Queen's Gambit. How the hell did that do well? I mean, it's a great show. Great show, but how it did way, it get it was, people to watch? Because it was, it was a word of mouth. Because people start talking about it. Like the but average no one knows person, who Anya Taylor Joy is. Doesn't from, matter. From outside, they you know they do mean? from that. Yeah. But like every, but every star had to have something that people started talking about. And no, her, I, I mean she's been around for a while. Um, I love the Queen's know. Gambit. I love Anya Taylor Joy. I'm just saying that. Think about that for a second from a bankable perspective. All right, we have a brand new show coming to Netflix about chess starring Anya Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, but that's not, not what people heard. All people heard was it's awesome and you need to watch it. Sure. Like no, like no one pressed play on a show about soccer and a guy going across like over the pond. They right. pressed play on a show that their best friend at work told them was awesome. No, I think you're onto something about the the streaming aspect of it. it, it it's just I think I that know, I yeah I think one aspect of it though is the theatrical release sort of uh, machine is more about marketing the franchise. Mm-hmm. these days whereas i think in particular netflix 
is much better at sort of memifying their characters and by virtue the, the people the, the actor themselves yeah. where uh john page has memes all over the place he becomes he has reactions right. all over the place they're really good Thanks about to our site <laughs> yeah well they're really good <laughs> about creating media. them they're really one thing like that's one thing that quibi was bad at is you couldn't like record your screen on your phone so people right. were like this is never going to work because mm -hmm. the only way people know how to find this is they can record clips and send it to people mm -hmm. or right. they can make their own sort of internet content out of your content and share it with people so i think that whether it's a whether it's just like an old school versus a new school or it's just the way that they've decided to approach things i think they're just much better at marketing the actual characters and actors within their projects versus the big yeah. screen me uh, methodology, which is like, check out our franchise. Yeah. This is going to be okay. the new Mortal Kombat for the next five years or whatever. It's also like, also, yeah. there, I think there's nothing more timely than the fact that within the next 24 hours, all of us are about to interview Angelina Jolie. People mm -hmm. are going to, they're not going to call that movie by its title, Those Who Wish Me Dead. When they tell someone about it at work, they're going to say, oh, did you see the new Angelina Jolie movie? I agree, yeah. but, but are people going to go to the, go to the theater to see the new no, Angelina Jolie movie? No, but I think Jolie they'll movie. press play on HBO Max. Yes. yes, I agree. But like jo Which Angelina is why Jolie, I think put the down... age of the movie star exists in streaming. Yeah, I I just wonder, like you know, the bank of the bankable element of these stars now. But she's like, also it, never it, been super bankable. Yeah, I want to ask I mean, one quick question. It's interesting. Like, right now, theoretically, The Rock is one of the highest drawing mm -hmm. uh, actors right yep. now. Yeah. Right, but you could argue that it's largely because of either the Fast franchise or what you know larger the fast franchise or Hobson Shaw. If one of yeah. his one-off kind of, you know, 90s type action movies came out. Oh, that's well that's a good example. I guess yeah, he is still kind of doing actually them. did pretty well. Did it? Cuz I mean yeah. like he's got Jumanji and the Fast and Furious yeah. franchise. The Tooth Fairy, his... Tooth Fairy. He's got the Tooth Fairy. But if he put one of those out right now, like let's yeah. say he released a, the Tooth Fairy. Not you know, not a movie like the Tooth Fairy, but the Tooth Fairy. Yeah. But, would but like go but check it's it the out? sequel, so it's T W O O T H. The that's, Tooth Fairy. God, why did you give that out for free? <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's gold. Do you think it would do okay? No. Wow. Probably I not. think it would do well if it, on Netflix. I think it would do well. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Like doing well nowadays is like how well is it doing on Netflix? Yeah. But like, I don't know. You look at something like Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds, where that movie came and went, but cost over reportedly, I read online somewhere around two hundred million dollars. Like that's like, even Michael Bay. Like Michael yeah, Bay's like, a name. <laughs> I don't know if like I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, don't yeah, don't forget, The Rock has a movie coming to Netflix this year. Red Notice. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Gal Gadot and, and Gal Gadot. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is Netflix. Gal Gadot bankable or is she bankable as Wonder Woman? She's bankable Wonder as Wonder Woman. And that's it. That's What's, it. It's so interesting to think about that. Like, if, so if Gal so Gadot. So it's the franchise. It's the franchise. Yeah. And we love, we love these actors and they're so great in their roles, but that, that whole age of the movie star thing is like. I feel like we've been seeing it slip away for a while. I really yeah. do. Like, sure, look at the, one of the best examples, and I know we'll move on. Look at Harry Potter, right? Look how famous Daniel Radcliffe was. And then look at every movie he did after Harry Potter. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he chose blockbusters to do. He did, he yeah. did, like, fun little, like, quirky, like, Swiss Army Man, which was great. But Robert Pattinson had a hard time, too. When he came off Twilight, he like, you know, he like, you know, Good Time wasn't a blockbuster. And or was it Remember those Me were, was another I movie. Think those were choices, yeah, they, they also made choices yeah. that, that these franchises yeah. afforded them. Like, Radcliffe, because I, I think Radcliffe was I, at least I remember at the time the the narrative right. was he was very 
strategic about like i don't want Indies. to go into any project and have people go oh it's harry potter like he was very yeah. much didn't work for a while yeah. then he was doing i'm gonna play a corpse that farts you know who's bizarrely the opposite is eddie redmayne eddie redmayne gets prestigious pictures and oscar nominations for things like danish girl and then and does franchise chicago seven and then he does fantastic pieces and everyone's yeah. like dude go back and do some kind of <laughs> isn't that period s- picture so strange yeah but like, like on paper that to me that make like he wins an oscar and gets offered like hey we're gonna give you a five picture harry, harry potter. potter like yeah yeah that i mean to me it's not out of the like it's not not understandable why he took that does that is franchise Michael, is, limp to five films does it limp to five films? i don't think so no i really don't <laughs> like, 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 Jordan? like three hasn't even come out yet no one cares I know. Yeah. Is Michael we B. Gotta... Jordan bankable? No. No. I don't think so. No. All right. Hmm. Let's get to uh, talking about things that, that do well because of word of mouth. We want to talk about um, Invincible. Oh. And also Rublet. But, but mainly Invincible, uh, which is an animated series from Robert Kirkman uh, that is on Amazon Prime. And this is one of those ones that came out once a week. And even going into it, and Gabe, I'm going to loop you in on this conversation because Gabe was uh, all in on this title. He had read. You read the comics? Are you all the way through on the comics? Or? Uh, I think I have like I think I'm like halfway through when I last read them. Halfway, okay. maybe three quarters of the way through the run. So the, Gabe the, was begging us, like, watch this, watch this show. It's one of the best stories that you'll ever see. And um, so I was, I, I gave it a shot. And so this is a this is a superhero origin story. Um, it's a lot more in depth than that uh, because essentially it's the son of the most powerful man on the planet. His name is Omega Man. He's voiced by J.K. Simmons. He looks like J.K. Simmons, which is oddly off-putting. Um, and the kid comes into his own power. Uh, it's almost like going through puberty. You never know what your power is going to be. You end up getting your power. Um, Omega Man heads up a Justice League type. Uh, superhero group and it tells this parallel story about what omega man has been up to and what invincible is up to as he grows into his powers and each episode is kind of like a little standalone like a new villain gets introduced it's a whole new challenge to overcome in every single episode invincible man gets his ass handed to him like he is a bloody heap at the end of this it is one of the most violent shows that i've seen it's probably like the boys which i haven't watched i'm not caught up on at all um but in an animated fashion and it's one of these shows where it's it's totally surprising every single episode there's a demonic villain uh, a demonic detective who is uh investigating a crime that happens in the first episode i don't want to tell you anything about it um there's family drama at home with omega man's wife who's a human omni man um, by the way sorry omni man oh what do i call him omega man omni man uh, yeah, oh yeah. sorry yes thank you did i get it right at least once or twice i i couldn't tell you were saying it really fast and i went did you gotcha. say, <laughs> say omega man yeah omni man um but invent eventually you just get hooked into the story of invincible and the finale literally was one of the like a jaw-dropping experience like there were things that happened in the finale that i could not believe that they were putting into a television show yeah uh so i'm really glad i finished it but i kind of asked gabe because the exciting news is that seasons two and three got announced and i kind of asked gabe because it gets to a, a point of some closure and i was like is there more story to tell and gabe's like yeah you're just now opening up the world like it's gonna get a lot bigger so gabe Tell me what you thought about how they converted the first season and like, am, should I be super excited about where it's going to potentially go? Uh, I thought it was great. And yes, you should be excited because as I said, it's barely scratched the surface that the kind of invincible world w- does open up to. Um, if you've never read the book, haven't heard of the show and you're thinking about getting into it, one of the great things about it, one thing that's so clever about the story that was clever about it when it was a book first coming out in like the early aughts, I think when it started coming out, 
is it it doesn't just like subvert superhero stories the way that kind of the boys might and i, and I don't put that down but it it does in the sense that it uses everything we understand about superheroes and superhero tropes and even specific superhero characters to sort of start the story to sort of start your expectations and then go from there. So it, it kind of gets a head start in every sense that it gets because you go, oh, this guy's kind of like Superman. And so it's like oh, you understand that and it can subvert that and it can build off of that. And they do it in really clever ways to where you don't really have to like run up to it completely. Or like the the demonic detective is very much Hellboy. And it's like, yeah. you know who Hellboy is. You know that Hellboy is this, that, and the other. And it doesn't like mm. say anything. He just kind of looks like Hellboy. And, right. and it's it's a fun, if you're a superhero fan, you can have fun playing off of it. But it I always like that. I always like really that great. little, like, it, it trusts the audience to, like, like the boys, like like you're saying, like, like you trust that that yeah. guy's probably Captain America. That, that, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's incredibly clever, and I think it does it so many favors in being able to just go beyond the usual um, superhero stuff. The only criticism I think I have of the of the first season, um, and from what I was, from what I heard is there was kind of an A team and a B team that were doing animation. Oh, interesting. And mm. I suspect it was all budgetary, you know, with the first season of something and not knowing if it's going to work. You know, you don't really get everything that you might wish for. Um, so there are some moments, the smaller moments are clearly kind of like animated in a different way and not to the quality of the big fight scenes. But when you get to the big fight scenes, it's top class anime style animation and it looks great. Um, so I hope moving forward, especially since they greenlit two seasons, they'll give the sort of A-team quality all around. That's kind of the only thing because it's, if you read the books and you haven't watched the show for some reason, it's it's still surprising in that it moves some of the order of things around and it changes some of the details, so it's still surprising. Um, but overall, I'm impressed. Impressed. And, the good and news I hope you guys it, will watch it if you haven't. I, let me ask you guys, because I actually, and this is I'm saying this knowing that I'm about to make a ton of enemies for <laughs> people who listen to our show. Um, I have a really tough time with anime. Just the, mm. that, that particular style of animation, I just feel like oftentimes it doesn't move a ton. It's just I kind of feel like I'm looking at a still image that has like just very little movement. It's like That's the not very fluid. quality that sure. I was talking about, yeah. Um, but I have watched, tried to watch, and given damn good shots at what are considered to be some of the greatest anime series of all time. Mm -hmm. I got about 15, 20 episodes into Avatar, couldn't do it. I gave it uh, Attack on Titan a shot, couldn't do it. I mean, this is like top tier stuff. And so I think I've just had to accept the fact that I just can't get into. Now, so do you think that I'll be able to get into this show knowing that I have such an issue getting over that particular style of animation? Well, it doesn't really do anything new. No, like it doesn't. It doesn't break the ground. It's not groundbreaking sure. as far as the animation. I would say give it a shot because I think it's really great. But I love this story so much and believe in this story so much that if you watch the first couple episodes and you just can't do it, I would sure. implore you to read the comics because it's, well, I think you will really enjoy how Did you finish episode is. one? Me? Of Invincible? Me? Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't even watched it yet. Oh, I thought you said you tried it. No, no, I've tried. Like My, my, my thought process is because I've tried sort of what is considered to be the A class of so yeah. many yeah, anime yeah, yeah. series and couldn't get into it that my first thought was like well if this is anime it doesn't matter if it's about superheroes or not i'm just not right. gonna be able to get into i it. would say but, i would say try to stick through it for the story because this definitely has moments where it's like ah they clearly didn't put the time and the money into these scenes that are smaller yeah. and kind of people talking and it looks like they're standing still and just kind of blinking um so i would say it's probably definitely gonna bother you at some points but yeah. 
Sean, go ahead. I'm just going to say watch episode one. Yeah. If you get through episode one and you don't want to keep going, then bail. Okay. But if you get to the end of episode one and and it hooks you, then you'll power through the rest. And the good news is like the whole season is now available. You don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about the cliffhangers and waiting a whole week for it to come out. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Okay. It's only eight episodes. Yeah. I think it. So give it a shot. Um, Speaking of animation that seems to work, I haven't seen it yet, but the boys both have. Uh, Last week on Netflix, the Mitchells versus the Machines dropped, and you guys have both caught up on it now. Hopefully some other people have watched it since we got to it. Uh, Tell us why this film is largely, uh, has a really good chance of making your top 10 film uh, at the end of the year, Kevin McCarthy. I mean, it just put a massive smile on my face. It's also a a film that is made... It's a film that dually works for people who are gigantic film fans, and if you're not a major film fan, the film still works. It's kind of like how Pixar makes a movie that works for adults and for kids. I feel like this movie works for super nerd film fans and people who are just casual moviegoers. So, mm-hmm. like as you're a, as a film fan, you get all these references to all these classic films, and like you know the character that the leading character is a major film fan. She's going off to college to go to film school. She has her four favorite directors, or like she has a Mount Rushmore, like Greta Gerwig and uh, Hal Ashby's on there. I mean, it's a really cool uh, sense of like building in how much film means to she somebody. She would listen how... to Real Blend essentially. She's a Real she Blend listen... audience. They would probably that... yell at us a lot. <laughs> right. They, re- right. they reached out to license our logo, and I said no. I was like, too late. Can we make her? And I was like, nah, <laughs> sorry, just can't be. But Mike Rianda um, is uh, the director of this film, and Lord Miller. I, I I remember seeing Cloudy: The Chance of Meatballs for the first time and being blown away by that movie, um, just from an animation perspective, but also a storytelling perspective. And I, that's kind of how I fell in love with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, just as storytellers. And obviously, I love Twenty One Jump Street. But kind of going back to this film, which they produced uh, and worked on as well, it's just it just has so much energy to it. Speaking of animation, they mess with tons of cool stuff. Like I think they took. Some of the stuff they learned from Spider-Verse, which had some really interesting animation styles. This movie has like 2D stuff, hand-drawn. There's 3D animation. It's just, um, it's a gorgeous film. I also love the father-daughter relationship in the movie. Uh, There's a whole storyline about a father and daughter reconnecting, and it's it's beautiful. Um, The whole family's amazing. Like, Maya Rudolph's great as the mother. Um, It's just a movie that made me smile. I don't know why. It just made me happy. It was fun. It was weird. It is a weird movie. It's out there. It's like, I saw someone use the term bananas for it. It's probably a great word for it. It's just, it is all over the place. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, story points, I'm sure you can figure out along the way that, you know, but at the end of the day, there are so many jokes that are flying throughout that film that I need to see it again. But it's just a really energetic film. It just moves and it just keeps your attention. Yeah, I have a trigger question. Um, Obviously, PJ's going away to college. I watched the first 15 minutes of this. I kind of realized that it was something that my whole family was going to enjoy, so I stopped watching it. But a, a driving theme of that opening bit is that the daughter's going away to college. Yeah. Um, and the family decides to drive her instead so they can have a bonding time. Like, yeah. can I can I watch this or should yeah. I not watch this? No, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful story, in my opinion, about a father and daughter who lost connection, essentially, throughout the years as she was going through her, what she was going through and he was going through, he was going through, but you know, and, and just the idea of the trip bringing them together, you know, and I, I think that, you know, I don't really, I don't know every detail of your and PJ's relationship, but I feel like there's a, there's something beautiful about that moment about the parent 
letting the child go to school and then and, and just kind of having that bond and but in this particular story it's you know they're fighting a robot apocalypse and they're on the way and that kind of teaches them about themselves and as you so do as you do but but i mean at the end of the day it's kind of what's beauty but beautiful about the movie right is like all that animation and robot apocalypse and weird stuff the dog is hilarious um all that weird stuff at the end of the day is all grounded in an emotional reality. Mm. Um, and I think that's the key to great storytelling is when you can take the absurd and the insane and, and justify it for an audience that they believe it, where I'm watching it for the father daughter story, even though I'm loving the action. I think you as a dad, there's no way you walk away from that movie feeling sad. I think, I think it would actually give you hope that you know for your son kind of like his journey and what he's going to find in school and kind of like how that's pushing his passion forward um but in this movie particularly the father doesn't understand the daughter's love of film she thinks he thinks that her the filmmaking is not going to make her any money it's 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 a classic story like you know parents the parent not believing that because i always found that to be it's it's how my parents think of podcasting (laughs) but you know but it it genuinely is an, an interesting an interesting um thing that you see in a lot of families and you hear you hear about this from a lot from actors like my parents not believing that i can make a living off this and i mm-hmm. feel like what's 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 sad about that particular element of conversation is the parents aren't saying the kid isn't talented they're just worried about the one in a million shot they have to get into the business you know mm-hmm. what i mean like and, it, and it's a really like i remember hearing a story about emma stone and her mom took her from like arizona to la to audition and that's kind of like and it was it was that was part of the deal and kind of how she got into uh into hollywood was her mom kind of helped her along the way but then you have parents who you know genuinely believe that it's really going to be impossible to get into that field and make money off of it and so like you actually understand the father's perspective but you also understand that the the daughter is super passionate and he needs to let her grow and be who she is so i think there's a lot i i don't know i'm reading probably a lot deeper into this movie than i intended to but it had a lot to say about phones and family and and living in the present and putting your phone away at dinner with your family i mean i don't have kids obviously but i I genuinely believe that a lot of parents are looking at this movie going, oh, yeah, we're, we're just like that. We're just mm-hmm. like this, this, the Mitchells. And um, you could replace the Mitchells with any family uh, and just kind of have them go along that journey. And Maya Rudolph, Jake, I mean, her arc at the end was awesome. I thought that whole. Yeah. Anyways, it's very good. I love the movie. Jakey. Yeah. I mean, like Kevin summed it up well, but also I would add that every it obviously completely different films, but everything you loved about End of the Spider-Verse is present here the style of humor the style of animation sort of that that rapid fire um it just it you know it's just there are just so many jokes there and, it, and they yeah. come at you and they all land for the most part you know it's not yeah. like they throw a lot at you and you know only every you know one every few like they all land so much so that you kind of need, need to give it another pass to catch up on all the jokes that you missed yeah. um but yeah it, i you know I, i'm at the point now where i'm slowly starting to feel like when I hear that Sony Pictures Animation has a new movie coming out, like my ears are going to start perking up like it normally does with Pixar. I, I want to show you shout out that. to um, Mark Mothersbaugh, by the way, who did the score. I want to shout out. Did you, hear, did you notice how electronic mm-hmm. the score was, Jake? Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Anyways, go ahead, Sean. I want to remind you that there's uh, four Hotel Transylvania movies from Sony Pictures Animation. So let's. Uh, there's <laughs> also, there. how many Cars movies are there? I like the first Three? Hotel Transylvania. Three. I'm just, I'm just saying they all cash in sometimes. There's a there's a Finding Dory. There's a Monsters University. Get off your I high horse, O'Connell. Both good movies. Are they though? Yeah, they are. Are they though? I saw the Hotel Transylvania where they they go on a cruise, and yeah, it was yeah. actually really great. It was better than Hubie. I'll tell you that. 
Hey, uh, listen. Hey, now it was a lot nothing. better than Hubie. Let's, Nothing's better than Hubie. Oh, no. <laughs> so I am going to use that. that quote against you for the rest of your life. It really is. Nothing right. is better than Hubie. Kevin we got a lot of, we got a lot of uh, what if this we, weekend What movies. if we had Nolan on the show and Nolan's like, that's my favorite movie of 2020. <laughs> he, can, he can produce this show moving forward. Uh, this weekend movies. Billy Crystal has a movie coming out with... Um, uh, blanking Tiffany on Tiffany Haddish. Haddish. Thank you. Called Here Today. Uh, Jakey, tell us about Here Today. Worth seeing? Um, uh, I, it's tough because I think, uh, I, I love Billy Crystal mm-hmm. and I think he's really sweet in this part. Um, kind of a, a, a sort of a, a comedy writing legend that is uh, slowly just at a point where he's he's kind of, uh, he's aging and he's, uh, is it, would you, is it dementia? Would you, no, it's not dementia, Kevin, what would you? He, oh, he's having memory yeah, loss. Yeah, memory loss, uh, yes. and, 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 and he's having to like, yeah, he's dealing with things yeah. where he's forgetting who people are Yeah, so like put pictures of his yes. family and their names, like, and, I don't and know so if they ever this, say specifically. They, yeah, they never, they never yeah. officially give it a title. But basically, there's it's this idea of like he has kind of one last great idea and he really wants to get it out before he loses the ability to. Um, he ends up, through weird, crazy circumstances, becoming friends with Tiffany Haddish. And here's the deal. I actually, I, I like Tiffany Haddish, and I think she can be very funny, and I, I have found her to be very funny in, in several projects. I think she's incredibly miscast here. Um, I, I did not find her to be funny when she needed to be funny. I, it felt like, you know, you ever, you ever have that moment where you can see someone acting? Like, you can feel them reading, like, like you can feel the fact that they've memorized the words and they're just saying them in chronological order? And that's kind of how I felt. Like, it felt like she didn't know how to kind of not be the Tiffany Haddish sort of part in this film. Okay. It, didn't, it didn't feel like she, it, like, like she didn't know how to scale it back. And all of her scenes with, with Billy Crystal, like, he just is so natural and it makes it look so easy. Because, he, you know, he's, a, he's an icon, he's a legend. And I felt like she was having a really tough time. I felt like she was having a tough time act. And, okay. we, and we have all recently seen, we can't say it, but we've all recently seen another comedian... And another film play a role that he was having a tough time playing because he wasn't able to basically play himself. Therefore, it seemed forced. Oh, oh, oh! I, yeah, right? I just so, clicked. yeah. So that's kind hit. of that. It's about a very Hubie similar boat. <laughs> <laughs> that took me longer wanna... to figure out than I thought. I know we're uh, in a crunch for time. I liked here. I liked this movie a lot. I, I, I actually liked Tiffany Haddish in the movie. I like. I, I liked. Um, Billy Crystal, uh, I thought I thought it had some really sweet moments. I thought I thought they were great together. I thought they had great chemistry. I enjoyed this film. Um, Jake's not like wrong in the sense that it's is it a great great film from a great performance perspective? No, but I really enjoyed it. I, I, I put a smile on my face. I like the behind the scenes comedy writing element, and I think Billy Crystal was great in it. I, I, love, nice. I actually like Tiffany Haddish a lot in the movie. So okay. Uh, Andrew Garfield has a movie coming out uh, limited called Mainstream. It's directed by one of the Coppolas. Uh, I forget which is one. Is that an oxymoron? Uh, an oxymoron limited. It's called mainstream. Limited called mainstream. <laughs> uh, there's another martial arts comedy called The Paper Tigers that is also coming into limited release. Uh, Netflix has a movie called Monster. Kev, tell us about Monster. Yeah, Jake and I watched this movie too. This is a, uh, a really powerful film. Kelvin Harrison Jr., uh, who... you Obviously, you loved Waves, right, Sean? He was, yes. he was great in Waves. And Loose, um, if you've never seen Loose. Yeah, great actor. Um, this is a movie that Kelvin Harrison Jr. told me they shot this in 2016. Um, it premiered in Sundance in 2018, and now it's coming out in 2021. Wow. Um, he looks insanely young in the film. It, it was it was kind of jarring when he popped up on my screen for the Zoom. I'm like, wait, wait, that, <laughs> oh, that was like five <laughs> years ago. Um, 
No, but the movie's really, really well done. Jeffrey Wright, uh, I believe, produced it as well, and it has Jennifer, Jeffrey Wright and Jennifer Hudson. It's it, it's a it's a very powerful story. Kelvin Harrison's character is essentially on trial for uh, a murder that was committed, but he's uh, Jake. If you back me up here, he's he's more on trial for being a part of the of the plan sure. rather than the actual murder itself, because yeah, that I, happened in yeah, the store. I guess there there is a law yeah. in New York that basically says that if you had any kind of part, basically he's being accused of being um, kind of the Compass. lookout in a way. Like he he went yeah. into the store to see if there were any cops in there, and as a result, is connected to a crime which resulted in a murder. And I guess through right. New York law, you can be you're a part of the murder rap if that's if you know if, if, if that results in the murder and so it, it but it raises this what i found and kevin I, I don't know if you felt this way the whole time i'm watching the movie you're kind of left to wonder like wait did he have a part in this like you and don't really find question. out what happened until the end of the movie yeah they they leave you they i would say that they steer you along the way to make you believe that like they, they try to make you they, they play with your a uh, question they, they they actually the uh, movie's very smart it actually makes you question the situation because of the circumstances of it but i think at the end of the day you realize how good of a kid he is and you see him he's a he's a and what's cool about the movie kind of like same thing with mitchell's in the versus the machine is this is all about filmmaking um his character is a film student uh and uh blake, blake nelson tim blake nelson's tim blake his teacher, nelson, yeah which they use cool. which is so i mean it also shows the like how how crazy like lawyers can turn everything because they use that against him when trying yes. to prosecute him because they basically say he's a storyteller he's a guy who, who right. is is an uh, expert at telling lies and you just okay. you're screaming i don't know about you but i'm screaming at the screen yeah. at just sort of the legal system they're like this kid's in film school and you're using that against him like oh i yeah. was oh i got okay. his parents are played by hudson out. absolutely hudson worth checking Wright. out worth checking out and then i will last thing i'll say about it is they they do a really good job of making the film feel claustrophobic um mm. while he's behind bars a lot of the film or behind glass or behind plastic talking to his parents they shoot it in a way where like you know how like a camera angle, like if someone's on the other side of a, of a, of a, of a jail cell bar, um, you could shoot them clean on the other side without the bars in front of the camera, or you could shoot them through the bars. Mm -hmm. And so when he would have conversations with his lawyer or his mom or whatever, they would shoot through the bars and the bars would obstruct the view of the shot. Um, and I'm not saying that's like a monumental game changing filmmaking tool, but it but it put you in his headspace. It put you mm -hmm. in the claustrophobic nature of a young 17 year old kid who's in prison, who's a good kid, uh, who just happens to be on trial for something bad. And it's really powerful. I thought it was really well done. Okay. Uh, Guy Ritchie has a film coming out called Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham. Jake, take it you, away. You, Guy Ritchie films. Uh, you used uh, a description <laughs> that I thought was perfect a couple of years ago, uh, where you described The Departed as it felt like someone was trying to make a Scar Martin Scorsese movie. Yes. And I and I always loved that. I always thought that was such an interesting way to describe it. And even even as someone who loves it, I love The Departed. But I always thought, oh, that's a, that's an interesting way to to say that. And that's kind of how I feel about Wrath of Man. It feels mm -hmm. like someone trying to make a Guy Ritchie movie who's not quite as talented as Guy Ritchie is. <laughs> but um, it's Guy Ritchie. It's I know. Now that being said, there are mo there to me there are flashes of Guy Ritchie where I kind of go, ah, oh, there he is. I mm -hmm. see him. Um, it is also a remake of a, of a French film. Um, so it's not entirely like, you know, all like encompassing Guy Ritchie original content. There are flashes where I go like, there he is. There's, there's my guy. There, there is Guy Ritchie. But there are also moments where I go like, dude, you are better than this. And a big mm. part of that is the script. The dialogue is so like, like shockingly bad. 
that it just takes you to the point where you just go like it, it, it just it's so jarring that it takes you out of it because there's no way the actors can sell it well so it just takes you out of the scene um it's a much better movie to put on mute i'll say that jason statham didn't sell bad dialogue <laughs> find that hard to believe all right let's get to the last film coming out a lot of movies coming out in theaters yeah. uh this one's called the water and normally Man. we haven't seen any of them but unfortunately yeah. so this week we've actually seen all of them i saw wrath of man and i kind of liked it yeah. uh it's the second half better than the first half though okay um the water man is directed by david oyelowo um it is a really compelling story about um a, a young boy who wants to come up with a cure for his mother they move to a new location uh, his mother is dying slowly of cancer, played by Rosario Dawson. Um, David Yellowo is the father. Uh, and this boy, um, whose name I'm blanking on, but he plays young Randall uh, on the TV show, This Is Us. And um, he wants to believe in some type of a miracle that will help his mom. And he hears about a um, a myth of a creature in the woods on the outside of their town called the Waterman. And if he can find the water man, um, he will be able to come up with some type of a cure. And it's all just the hope and optimism of a little kid. And then it's him and this other girl who claims that she has seen the water man before. They go off on an adventure to find the water man. And it's about all the things that happened to him in the woods. And then when the parents find out that he's missing, you know, how how nervous they are. And, you know, he described it in the interviews, or at least he said that that everyone's telling him that it's Spielbergian. Um, and it absolutely is just in the way that it's shot in the way that it's um, focused on kids in the way that it has a sort of whimsical menace to it. Um, you never feel those kids are, are incredibly safe, uh, but you sort of go along with them on the faith that this kid has. Rosario Dawson is unbelievably good as the sick mother. Um, there's this one scene that's horrifying where um, the boy is really concerned because she's vomiting in the bathroom uh, so he goes to open the bathroom door to see if he can help her. Like he's super compassionate, is always trying to help his mom. And she always wears a head wrap, but her head wrap was off. And Rosario doesn't either has an extremely effective bald cap or shaved her head for it. And I was stunned. Like I just, it's one of those images that just caught you off guard. And then she's so upset because she let their son see him. And they spend a lot of time. David Yellow does a really good job of spending a lot of time with the family. So you get really attached to all the different characters. So you bond with their emotions and then you kind of, you kind of want the kid to succeed. So, um, it's really charming from that perspective. As you heard in the interview, a yellow was not even planning to direct this had to step in when they lost their director. So the fact that it is as good as it is, is even more compelling. So I would absolutely recommend it. Yeah. It's really, really good. I would check out the, the Waterman. just know what you're getting into. It's PG. Uh, he wanted to make sure it was totally accessible for families. He's the father of four. Um, he just loves telling stories to his kids. This is very much a a, a movie that's aimed at kids. Um, so it's not going to be like really, uh, edgy or you know uh, or gripping in that way but um, if you're a family looking for something to go see the Waterman is absolutely something that I would recommend checking out so with that in mind that's shifting us to our blend game which is David Oyelowo blend and uh, I'll go first and mention that it's Selma did anybody not pick Selma I went Selma as well only because it's just the most yeah. commanding performance of his career yeah. It really is. I mean, looking it's at amazing. his body of work, which is yeah. impressive, uh, there's no way that you can't pick this. It's, it's impossible mean, not to. I kind of yeah. thought Kevin was going to pick Interstellar. 
I mean, Interstellar's <laughs> be not you. fair because it's it's one. I mean, he's great. I love him. I love him in Interstellar. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it's a fine performance. It's, but it's not. It's it's a MLK. quick scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't. I, I I think I would look stupid by picking. You'd be picking the film, not the performance, which is right. not the spirit of this game. Yeah, and right. there's so many um, like. I can't imagine the pressure that comes with stepping into the role of Martin Luther King in that story, you know, in that particular story. And I remain gobsmacked of how good he was. Like, and didn't get an Oscar nomination. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You know how good he um, is, is that uh, when Gabe tweeted out earlier today, uh, our tweet basically sort of announcing what our blend game was, uh, he used a gif from the movie. Mm-hmm. And I had to pause for a second and go... Wait, did he accidentally use an actual GIF of Martin, like uh, Martin Luther King, or right. is that actually like from Selma? Like, I, I, wow. it took me a moment to pause and go, like, wait, is that from the movie or is that an actual like GIF? I, I, I couldn't differentiate between the two. I'm gonna throw this out too. Um, I don't know if Ava DuVernay has lived up to the bar that she set with Selma yet. Um, I don't know. Um, a Wrinkle in Time that, wasn't great. Well, no. What's the series that she did for Netflix that was incredible? Oh yeah. Oh, the thirteen? No, 13th. what's that? What's the other one? The the they uh, how they see us? Oh, when they, they see us? When they see us? Oh when my god, that was oh my god! But she also incredible. did the thirteenth as well, right? Yes, yes, yes she, she did. did. Okay, yeah. Those are documentaries, though, right? No, no. When, no, when they see us is a narrative show. Is it really? Yeah, it's amazing. Won okay. a bunch of awards too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's almost like it's yeah, like Selma was probably at the at the moment her movie peak, but she's had some great. Um, she's had some great material. And she since, just obviously. recently lost something big, right? Like a Marvel New movie, Gods. Right? Yeah. She was going to do New Gods for DC, and there was a little bit tied to Darkseid, which showed who showed up in the Snyder Cut, and um, they sort of Warner Brothers stepped away from it because they thought it would be a little bit too close to what Zach did with Darkseid in his Snyder Cut film. I heard what it's because she didn't want. To, I heard it's because she didn't want Pitbull to do the soundtrack. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I mean, it's what just a bad decision. What happened with uh, that movie? It wasn't good. Yeah, but but what happened with it? Like like that that cast. Wasn't no mm. yellow in Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, he was in Wrinkle in Time. Oh, probably was. Yeah. They seemed I'm to, pretty they sure together. he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Was he? Was he the yeah. do- was he the the father of the girl? Let me check. I'm almost certain David Oyelowo was in Wrinkle in Time. I'll continue your thoughts, but I'll I'll, I'll I remember I'll Oprah and Reese Witherspoon and then there's one other actress who Mindy I don't Kaling. remember who. Oh, Mindy Kaling. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right, Yellow's so, in it. He plays the it. This is character. He's a voice, yeah. so yeah. Hmm. I would use his voice. His voice is spectacular. Yeah, good voice. So yeah. I'm not surprised that we all picked Selma. Uh Selma was also chosen from audience picks from Damien McDonald, John Palmer, Michael Breen, and many, many others. Uh, Danny Gurch says The Middle of Nowhere, which was also directed by David uh, by Ava DuVernay. And Megs says Don't Let Me Go, but is definitely amazing in Selma. So I, I, I saw I went to his filmography. And I saw that he was in a most violent year, and I and I really remember liking a most violent year, but I do not remember him in that movie. So I, I that movie's wanna... fantastic. Yeah, but do you but remember I only him in that remember, movie? I remember Oscar Isaac and sure. Jessica Chastain. Sure, I don't remember him in that. Um, I want to say that he was like an FBI investigator who was getting close to Oscar Isaac. I think he's character. a bit of a chameleon like that. Though. Yes. Yeah. He yeah, he is. He he disappears in his yeah. parts yeah. for sure. Uh, I mean, someone... I, I I know we moved on from Selma. I just wanted to say like. That that performance, he is he is the movie. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's that the, he, he commands that entire film. It's brilliant. One so of our listeners wrote in and mentioned that he voiced because you're speaking of his voice acting. He voiced James Bond for one of the audiobooks. 
That's which fun. sounds awesome. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. amazing. He's got the yeah. voice for it. He's got a, yeah. He does have a good voice. voice. It's kind of a yeah. soothing... I like. I enjoy. I, I always enjoy speaking with him. He has a great voice. Where do you hear our interview? It's really charming. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I, the story you told us about him not directing that film initially was insane. So. Uh, next week, and this is uh, hinging off of what we are going to transition to do right after this. We're playing hashtag Angelina Jolie blend. So, oh, we're all about to interview her. Bring your favorite Angelina Jolie films that's a, to that's the game. A big one to have never done before. I have mine immediately. Do you really? Changeling? Yep. I, I will say it's one word. Salt? I'm not saying anything else. One <laughs> word. It's not salt. It's one word. Gia? It's Mr. and Mrs. Smith, no spaces. <laughs> <laughs> no periods or anything. No. <laughs> huh, interesting. All right. Um, so, and, and that extends to her directorial career. If there's something that, that she directed but did not star in, that is also open for hashtag Angelina Jolie Blend. So email oh, us I know, at... I know what Kevin's is realblend.com. You can also use the hashtag on social media. I, I, I was going to cover my mouth and like whisper. Hashtag <laughs> Angelina Blend. Uh, a reminder to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or email it to us and we'll read it here on the show. Most importantly, uh, do let your friends know about the show. We're trying to grow the audience for the Real Blend uh, family, essentially, and we look forward to growing uh, episode after episode. You can, again, share us on YouTube if you want to and um, help drive up the subscribers on the YouTube channel. And then, of course, we have the next episode of the premium episode, which is a refreshed review. I will be talking about Gladiator, uh, and the guys might be surprised at where I ended up. So, again, you can get access to the premium episodes by going to bit.ly backslash real blend premium we'll be back with a brand new episode next week in the meantime follow us at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv at sean underscore o'connell the show is at real blend and producer gabe is at gabe kovach at gabe kovach um and until then next week we will uh continue to try to get steven spielberg on the show by saying um minority report we'll see you next week hubie uh, ah. no <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.